0: was fantastic, it was awesome, but come on, we're back, ready to talk about the transfer portal, the twenty four twenty five recruiting class, uh, this football game, and a uh, whole lot more. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, you know the drill, we got you for the next hour. Hit us up on the Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439, and normally this hour is reserved to talk about recruiting, and for 11 months out of the year, that's what we heavily focus on, but really the month of December is more about the transfer portal. And especially now, at this point in the month of December, there's just not a whole lot going on with the 24 and even the 25 class. Oh, you did make the top five for an elite defensive lineman in the 25 class. We'll get to that. But it's still mainly about the transfer portal, Parker. And even at least a little bit on some of these early enrollees, that have been involved in bowl practice down there at the Alamo Bowl. Um, Those guys even have New Jersey numbers, which is exciting. But it sounds like throughout our four-day holiday break, you and uh, some other media members down there got your first look at some of these guys in an OU uniform. And it sounds like guys such as Jaden Jackson and Nigel Smith, just their physical presence really, uh, really impressed a lot of people down there.
1: Yeah, and look, we got access to about 20 minutes of practice. So realistically, there aren't a ton of conclusions. You can draw about the seven newcomers from 15 minutes of practice, individual drills. I mean, I, half the time we got with them was stretching. So, again, not a ton to draw. But one thing you could say and that I will say based on what we did see is that those guys look the part. They don't look like high school seniors. They look like college football players. Even Eli Bowen, who I imagined would be – Uh, a little bit out of place alongside collegiate defensive backs. Man, he looks like he could go play for Oklahoma tomorrow night and be just fine and hold his own. So really impressed with this class from an overall standpoint for Oklahoma, but, man, these seven guys just kind of underscore the reality that Oklahoma's recruiting a different caliber of football player all across the board uh, than they have in recent years because it used to be that Oklahoma would have dudes on the offense, especially at the skill positions, and you could count on those guys coming in and contributing early. Not so much the case on the defensive side of the ball, but you get a couple customers like Nigel Smith and Jaden Jackson. Man, if the perception already hasn't shifted on Oklahoma defensively, those guys are going to help out quite a bit because Nigel's 6'5", 260, Jaden Jackson's about six foot three, 300, and could carry 3'10", 320 by the time the season rolls around. There's going to be an opportunity for both of those guys to contribute early and often, and I think they're going to be ready to do so. These are not freshmen that are coming into to redshirt. They're freshmen that are coming in to provide a competitive push for the elder statesmen in their room, and I think they're going to do that. I think so, too.
0: I mean, what uh, what did Brent say last week? OU, out of all top 20 teams this year, they, they played the most freshmen. I, I think that was the, the stat that he said. The, the the point is that they played a lot of true freshmen this year, and I'm sure that's going to be the case again even next year. And, yeah, from a talent standpoint, I mean, anyone that even lightly follows recruiting can see over the past two cycles that OU is getting a better caliber of player on the defensive side. But, yeah, man, you hit on it, and maybe the most important thing just physically, the players that they're bringing in, a lot more impressive than what we were seeing two and three years ago. Like, the theme, or one of the themes, I guess, that I keep hearing in these press conferences, hey, Brent, uh, two years ago you were here off to the sideline taking this in, now you're the head coach. Like So to stick with the theme of two years ago, and look, we were hoping that this was going to be the case, but in two years' time, they go physically looking like a speed d defense to physically the defense that they look like today or even the defense that they're going to look like next year and just physically with the eyeball test they've um yeah they've grown pretty substantially over the past 2 years parker on that side
1: yeah yeah man jaden hardy watching him fly around with the defense i'll be honest with you Jaden Hardy, I at first glance, I thought he was Woody Washington because he's wearing number zero, which, of course, Woody had worn for the previous couple of years. And so I glanced over and I saw zero, and it didn't register immediately that, oh, Woody Washington has been wearing five again. That's the number he switched yep. back to uh, prior to this season. So I was like, oh, there's Woody. And then at some point I saw five. I was like, no, wait, that's Woody. Who's zero? And then it dawned on me. It's like, oh, That's Jaden Hardy and going through individual drills, seeing the way that dude hits, seeing the way that he flies around. Man, Oklahoma is going to be so much better as a defensive team in terms of overall depth, in terms of talent, two years down the road, even one year down the road. You look ahead to 2024, I think this is a team that's going to have one of the upper-tier defenses in the SEC. I shouldn't say top-tier one of the upper-tier defenses in the SEC, especially if they can convince Woody to come back because at that point they would return eight starters. And when you add the impact freshman class to those eight returning starters and you give some of those guys on the two-deep an additional year to learn the system and get better and get healthier, I think about a guy like R. Mason Thomas that just wasn't healthy this year, has all the ability, has all the talent in the world, but just hasn't been healthy you give a guy like that another off season to develop physically and mentally, and continue to hone his technique. Man, Oklahoma has the potential to be a fearsome defensive team in the not too distant future.
0: Um, I, I mean, I think that next year and the caliber of team that you're playing is is going to be better. We all know that, but I think with with Stutzman coming back, with Bowman coming back, with everything that you have coming back, and yes, they. You know, they, they've they got to get more interior defensive linemen, but just from what what we know about this defense next year, I think it could be um, the best defense around here since, what, 2009? I, I mean, it, it could be, and maybe the expectations are, that it'll be the best OU defense in, in over a decade. I, I mean, I, with, with this much production coming back, especially at backer, and at uh, safety, if you get Woody Washington to come back at corner, then the expectations will be, uh, will be pretty high defensively. What, what is the old uh, scuttlebutt on uh, Woody coming back for a final year? Because we really haven't talked about that that much. It's been mostly about other players, getting them to come back.
1: That decision hasn't been made with finality, Tyler, but I'm actually, and I would not have imagined I'd be here a month ago, I'm actually leaning in the direction of him returning for a sixth year. And that would truly be astonishing because he was a guy that heavily considered going to the NFL after the 2021 season. Then after the 2022 season, if he declines the opportunity to make the jump after the 2023 season and runs it back for a sixth year, man, again, another leader, another guy that's been through the fire and another extremely talented and versatile defender that you can bring back to the fold in 2024 to help you transition to the SEC. Look, I, I don't think OU needs Woody Washington. I don't think the solvency of Oklahoma's defense in 2024 is contingent upon whether or not Woody Washington is there. But you can say objectively that Woody Washington returning would be a boon for this Oklahoma defense.
0: He and a healthy Gentry Williams, I mean, that's your best. I mean, if, if we want to talk about next year could be the best defense since blank, um, a healthy Gentry and a Woody Washington coming back for another year. That's your best corner duo that you've had in a long time, man. And and text line can fill in the blank there. That's your best corner duo since then. But it's it's probably several years is what we're talking about with uh uh wh- how how great how great those two uh, played this year alongside each other. Jeff from OKC on the text line says, would OSU beating the Aggies help us get David Hicks? I don't think that will help you get David Hicks. But if I'm wrong, um, well, I I guess we can add a little bit more intrigue to that Texas Bowl tonight. But I I would not guess that uh, A&M getting beat again this year would have too much impact one way or the other on David Hicks.
1: Yeah, I just, I'm not of the opinion that the outcome of that game matters a whole lot as to the kid's decision. Because uh, that kid's decision isn't going to be drastically impacted and or affected by one win what what's done is done at texas a&m obviously it is a far different situation than the one that hicks committed to and signed with when he agreed to come to college station and play for the aggies i truly think that the decision has already been made in dj hicks mind whatever that decision is and that I, I don't think anybody knows authoritatively and for certain what's going to happen yet. But I firmly believe that whatever that decision is, it's probably already been made by D.J. Hicks and his family. And now we just wait for the revelation of that decision. Yeah,
0: I, I kind of think that as well. From the 405, which, by the way, A&M has what? Uh, no more than 55 scholarship players available tonight against Oklahoma State. I think that's the, the number that I, that I've seen all day long. From the 405, best corner since the Trey's, Trey Brown and Trey Norwood. Uh, Tony G says, with the youth of our secondary, we do need Woody Washington back. LaDonna from Lubbock says, man, I hope Woody comes back. I love that kid. First off, yes. Second off, happy birthday, LaDonna. Maybe that can be LaDonna from uh, Lubbock's uh, birthday wish tonight when she blows out her candles. She can hope that Woody Washington comes back for another year. Just an idea. We just got
1: to tell Woody Washington, hey, man, all LaDonna from Lubbock wants for her birthday is for you to come back for a sixth year. And then At that point, I feel like the decision is made, right? <laughs> yeah. How's right. he going to say no?
0: Don't let her down. Eric in Dallas, do you guys believe that just going to the SEC helps the defense? I know it's a stronger league, but the offenses there are more basic. You agree? you think that the SEC offenses are more basic? I think that was true... years ago that was still a league that was maybe not three yards in a cloud of dust but maybe a little bit I formation run downhill not not that they're not still physical running the football but Tennessee spreads it wide open Uh, Ole Miss does the same it feels like the SEC is more of an offensive league than it's maybe ever been at this point
1: I think there's truth to that I also think that the pendulum is swinging in the other direction. I don't think the SEC is quite the offensive league that it was two, three years ago, and I, I truly do think that you know trends in the sport of football come in waves, and so we saw the offensive revolution throughout the 2000s and the 2010s, uh, the expansion of the air raid, and. That philosophy and the inroads that it made in the NFL have the spread kind of took over there for a while, but I think especially if you've watched the NFL this year, what you've noticed, what I certainly have noticed, is that offenses are less prolific at the NFL level than they have been in recent in the recent past, and you're starting to see defense come into prominence once again, and you're starting to see defensive oriented philosophies take root and have success and i think to be honest with you the sec is more closely linked to the nfl in terms of those trends than any other conference in america for obvious reason right it sends more players to the league than any other conference in america and so i would be willing to bet that a year or two or three from now when we are talking about the sec and the style of football that is played in the conference, it's never going to be three yards in a cloud of dust again, right? That's just not it, – no, it's impossible no. that the the pendulum would swing that far in the other direction. But I also don't think it's going to be this wide-open, up-tempo, 40, 50 points a game offensively type of deal that it has been in recent years because – I think everything is kind of regressing back to the mean, if that makes sense.
0: 2020 is like such a unique year, but Alabama was number one in uh, points per game defensively in 2020. Of course, Bama won the national championship that year. Bama gave up 19.4 points per game, which for a lot of schools would be really good, but that's probably one of the lower marks of the Saban era. And back in 2020, that was still good enough to lead the SEC, 19.4 points per game. This year, 2023, Georgia had the number one defense in the SEC points per uh, game-wise, 16.6 points per game. So that's, that's, you know pretty noticeably lower than it was back in uh, 2020 when Alabama was just under 20 points and still leading the SEC. But yeah, now that Bama's getting five-star quarterbacks, Georgia had a five-star uh, quarterback committed for a while. Feels like the quarterback play that that conference is getting is much better than what it was 12-15 years ago. But I'm with you. It's never going to be a 3 yards in a cloud of dust league again. Um, but it's still the best defensive conference out there in my book. 405 651 is the text line. What's the latest in the portal? We'll talk it next right here on The Ref.
1: The word is spreading. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
0: Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and yep, you, the Ref Army as well, listening worldwide via the free KREF app, Sarasota, Florida is tuned in today, Loganville, Georgia, Bentonville, Arkansas, Pontiac, Illinois, Rockford, Michigan, Vail, Colorado, Santa Rosa, California, small Oklahoma town of the day, Braggs, Oklahoma. Braggs by Muskogee, which a uh, Muskogee native really won over uh, a lot of OU fans yesterday if he hadn't already Seth the trail with some of those comments that he made in the press conference. We'll get to that. But Riff Armory Locator is brought to you by Affordable Door Company, where they compromise on the price but not on the quality. Visit them online at affordabledoor.net. That's affordabledoor.net or 405-635-9499. Latest in the portal for OU, a bit of a bummer today, uh, Michigan State offensive lineman Geno Vandermark. He's staying at Michigan State. Uh, he withdraws his name from the transfer portal. Is this as easy to say that Michigan State's already lost one starting offensive lineman in the portal? They didn't want to lose another, so they made a uh, healthy little NIL offer for old uh, Gino to stay there in East Lansing.
1: There was a healthy NIL offer, and I will also say this, Tyler: girlfriends remain undefeated. Mm,
0: Mistop up, man. It's worked out. It's worked out for you in the past, right? Where the uh, where the girlfriends have remained undefeated. Not so much here, Geno Vandermark, going back to Michigan State. So so what now? I, I'm sure they have some secondary targets that are out there on the offensive line in the portal. I don't believe we've seen any just recent uh, O-line offers out there. It it almost feels like, okay, maybe re- let's reset a little bit, let's reevaluate, and let's see who else is available in the portal here uh, as we got, what, a couple more weeks to go.
1: Yeah, and look, here's what it boils down to. At at, at this point, you have Fabetsi Nawawu, you have Spencer Brown. You don't have to take another offensive lineman right now because the second portal wave post-spring could bring an additional myriad of talent on the offensive lines worth pursuing. And who knows, there may be guys that hit the portal throughout the spring that Bill Beatonbow could look at and say, you know what, I want to bring him in because grad transfers can hit the portal at any time. So... Only if you're using that one-time free transfer do you have boundaries on when you can enter the portal. So realistically, Tyler, these days the portal is a 24-7, 365 type of deal for certain players. And they're able to enter at any given time if they're willing to do so. And so you have to constantly stay vigilant. And you know what? If the window seems to be foreclosed on adding – a premier offensive lineman via the portal right now, well, guess what? It might be a completely different market, might be a completely different situation two, three weeks down the road. So just because there is no immediate answer on the horizon doesn't mean that will be the case four months from now when the Sooners are going through spring ball.
0: Chris McClellan, Owasso native, was at Florida this past year. He is heading to Missouri. So we've talked about Chris McClellan For a few weeks now, defensive lineman. It looked uh, to come down between OU and Missouri. He picks Mizzou. And what what it really feels like here is OU's not afraid to offer someone NIL via the portal recruiting whatever it is. And I don't think OU is a broke NIL school. I I keep seeing that out there. I don't think that OU is a broke NIL school. And I do think that they offer NIL via the portal, sure, But I I think that there is a certain threshold on players out there that they are not going to be a school that overpays for players. Now, maybe everyone doesn't love that. I, I don't know. But my read on the situation here, Parker, is they like Chris McClellan. They would have liked to have him in the portal. And I'm sure that they even offered him a nice little NIL package. But so often now you get so many teams that maybe offer a little bit more than the actual players worth and that'll win out in the end, but OU just doesn't seem like they're going to be one that offers a ridiculous amount of an NIL package for a player that they they like, sure, but they don't just necessarily love either.
1: Well, and it's a way for Oklahoma to gauge whether a kid will make the decision for the right reasons, too, right? Because Oklahoma's pitch to McClellan and to every such player that enters the portal is going to be the exact same. Hey, here's what we're going to pay you. This is a fair market value for your position and your level of talent. You're going to come here. You're going to be part of a championship culture. That's one of the fabled blue blood programs of college football. We have a coaching staff that's going to develop you for a future in the National Football League, whereupon you will receive a contract for more money than you will ever make collegiately, more than you could ever dream of making collegiately. That is what we can offer you at Oklahoma. And you know what? If a kid like Chris McClellan wants to go get paid substantially more in the short term at a place like Missouri and potentially sacrifice his own development and play for coaches that have less skins on the wall, if you will, in the NFL, well, then, hey, at that point, Oklahoma is perfectly content, as they probably should be, in letting him walk to a place like Mizzou. Because if the decision is made with short-term factors taking precedence over long-term factors, then, again, if you're trying to cultivate a culture within your organization and your football program, that's probably not the type of guy you want in your locker room, right? Yeah. You remember T.J. Moe that played at Mizzou
0: uh, 10 years ago or so? He actually uh, played with L.D. Washington, so he was on uh, the rush after L.D. Washington got promoted, and we were asking him about his uh, former teammate T.J. Moe, I think he does some political commentary now, um, but he was a good player at Mizzou then. And I'm trying to find the exact tweet that he had a few days ago, but it essentially was, and and I'm sure that this kind of echoes the thought that they have in Columbia right now, is Mizzou is going all in on the 2024 season. The incoming freshman slash transfer class will be up there with the most talented in program history, likely the easiest schedule in the SEC next year. When was the last time Mizzou fans had a more anticipated season? 2008? Before that? So, to TJ's point there, it sounds like Mizzou's philosophy is quite simple. If we have to overpay for some of these guys, fine, so be it. We are going all in on the 2024 season to capitalize on the year that they had this year.
1: Yeah, and again, like that, that right there, you want to talk about individual philosophy on decision-making in the transfer portal, that's one thing. But that boils down to organizational philosophy within your football program because if you're Oklahoma, if you're a school like Oklahoma, right, and you're a coach like Brent Venables who has job security and stability and a staff that you've handpicked and the support of the administration behind you in a tradition of excellence – you're not putting all your eggs in the basket of the 2024 season, right? Because you yeah. don't have to. What happens at, at 24
0: is is a disaster at Mizzou? And let's not act like they've had long stretches of uh, sustained success in program history.
1: It's a gamble yeah, mis- for sure. Well, and like I, it's I don't necessarily want to term it desperation, but maybe urgency is a better word. At Missouri, there is an urgency to capitalize on their momentum that maybe there isn't at Oklahoma because Oklahoma doesn't need that urgency to display excellence on the football field. It is the standard at the University of Oklahoma. Missouri pops off a double-digit win season for the first time in forever, and obviously with the way that that program and organization is structured – yeah, they're going to start paying big money for players in the transfer portal because if you don't capitalize right here and now, man, then you risk sinking right back into obscurity, and at that point, nobody's going to take you seriously again.
0: It's it's going to be it's going to feel pretty awesome to uh, to go up there and uh, beat those nerds in uh, 2024, and hopefully, at that point in the season, put the final nail of the coffin in their 2024 season of it being a disaster. I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll feel very good about that if, if that's what happens next year. I'll feel very good about that. Uh, from the 469, listening from Mexico, enjoy you guys and love the updates and bowl coverage while we are away from Norman. Booma! That's from OU Janna. Thank you so much, OU Janna. Big takeaway from the uh, press conference today. I, I I thought yesterday's press conference uh, was a little bit more newsworthy, Where and I mentioned it coming into the break. If Seth Luttrell, if people weren't already excited about him being the play caller, the co-OC... What he said yesterday sure got a lot of people fired up, especially the part of "I've been uh, trying for 23 years to get back to this place." That that's uh, that played quite nicely with the fan base.
1: Yeah, no doubt, Muskogee native, a guy who was a legacy sooner. Dad played at Oklahoma in the 70s. Obviously, Seth played at Oklahoma in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that that, that was the money quote right there. I've been trying to get back to this place for 23 years. That right there is what made everybody believe, okay, this dude's in it for the long haul at Oklahoma. He's not in it for, you know, he's not using this job as a launching pad, I guess, the way that so many believed, and we're ultimately correct in believing, that Jeff Lebby uh, was using the Oklahoma job. Now, I thought, here's here's what else I thought was interesting, because he was asked towards the tail end, and I'll read you his response. He was asked towards the tail end of his availability, hey, would you like to be a head coach again? Like, are, are, is your goal with this Oklahoma OC gig to eventually get yourself back in position to be a head coach, as he was at North Texas for seven years? And this is Latrell's response. He says, I'm not a big egotistical guy. To me, it's about all of us. We're always learning. We're always growing. I think ego stunts your growth, so I've always tried to set it aside. We'll see when that time comes. I'm not putting any limits on that. I have a strong faith And me and my wife have a strong prayer life. I'm never going to put God in a box, per se. He's always been very good in leading me to the right spots, and I wouldn't have changed any spot. I think I've learned and grown, and we've had a lot of fun on every stop that we've been on. Every journey, every adventure has been fabulous. So why put him in a box now? At the end of the day, I love where we're at, and I'm really excited about our future here. Looking back, having been a head coach, I'll be a much better assistant than I ever have been because now I know what that guy feels in that seat each and every day. All the decisions and things that he has to do on a daily basis, plus the fact that there's football also involved. It's a very challenging job. There's a lot on the head coach's plate, and I want to do anything I can to take pressure off him. Which is exactly what you want to hear from your offensive coordinator. Like yeah. PR master class right there.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, I put that video out on our uh, KREF Twitter page yesterday and the Facebook page as well. And it, it, was, um, it was getting a lot of interaction pretty much immediately, which I uh, appreciated. But I went back and looked at some of the quote tweets uh, before the show today. And maybe not my favorite part of that whole exchange with Seth Luttrell, but certainly uh, towards the top. I, I didn't notice this until today, but buddy, some of the things that he said really made some North Texas fans mad. I guess we were just a pit stop for old Seth Luttrell. So OU's been in Twitter wars recently with Texas fans, Oklahoma State fans, Missouri fans, Texas A&M fans, and now North Texas fans are uh, in it as well. All all eight of them. Upset that Seth Luttrell said that. Sorry, guys. Hate to see it. <laughs> yeah, hate to see it. Yeah, I uh, didn't know North Texas had a presence on social media, but there, here they are out there saying, what? I guess we're just a pit stop for Seth Luttrell. Thanks a lot, man. A lot of text to get to. We'll get to that next. More Portal, more Cruton, and yes, the Alamo Bowl as well right here on the ref.
1: Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. Don't be one of the powerless when extreme conditions strike. Lightning, high winds, excessive heat, or other severe conditions can leave you in the dark or worse. See the light. Contact Oklahoma Generator, the company that gives Oklahomans the power to protect their family, homes, health, business, and life. Oklahoma Generator is a certified Premier Generac dealer, providing professional installation, service, and repairs
0: a day to help with emergency services or commercial maintenance. Call them at Cabin's Group today, 405-573-3048, or go online to cavensgroup.com Locked in with Oklahoma Sooner, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. One bowl game currently in progress. It's the Military Bowl between Virginia Tech and Tulane. And it's going to be 17-10 Virginia Tech heading into halftime up there in Annapolis. 17-10 Virginia Tech over Tulane. Got a good good lineup of bowl games tonight. Oklahoma State A&M. Louisville and USC, North Carolina and West Virginia, I believe, play this afternoon as well. So this is the first day I feel like where the bowl slate's like, ah, he got my attention here. And of course we got the Alamo Bowl coming up tomorrow. As far as the portal's concerned, Parker, we, we've talked about several names now throughout the past three weeks. It feels like the name that maybe we're really about to focus on quite a bit is the Miami of Ohio defensive end Caden Woolard. Uh, 41 tackles, nine and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles in 2023. Looks like he could be visiting OU soon. Uh, I guess, what are just the early thoughts on OU's chances there? And, I I mean, again, is is this going to be a name that we're talking about for a week, a week and a half? Because, to me, it feels like it is.
1: Yeah, I like OU's chances, man. A lot more than I like their chances with Nick Scorton, the edge rusher from Purdue, Big Ten sack leader that hit the portal, and everybody immediately wanted to know, of course, oh, well, is OU going to get involved? And, uh, look, odds are the asking price for that guy is going to be far too high than what Oklahoma is willing to pay. But Caden Willard seems like a much more realistic option for Oklahoma and a high-caliber option at that, a two-year starter at Miami of Ohio, had 9.5 sacks this past year as a junior, uh, has been a three-year contributor for that program, has one year of eligibility left, and kind of one of those guys, Tyler, that when you look at what he would bring to the table for Oklahoma, I think it makes a ton of sense on a lot of fronts because he has been productive. He's six foot five, 252 pounds, so the measurables are there the production is there but also you don't have to make a long-term commitment to the guy it's a one-year rental and if you do bring him in you don't necessarily have to bank on him being a stud if he turns out to be a stud great he's going to get plenty of run if not you got ethan downs you got pj adibawara you got R mason thomas you got trace ford coming back you got Nigel Smith and Danny Okoye and Wyatt Gilmore jumping into the mix. So to me, there's no downside in adding a guy like Caden Woolard. He's going to visit Oklahoma, and I very much like their chances with him early in the process here. And we'll see. I I, I don't want to get too far out in front of my skis, projecting that Oklahoma lands him or anything like that. But anytime you see a portal player book a visit, that is a good sign because typically dudes in the portal aren't taking five, six visits like traditional high school recruits because everything is operating on an accelerated timeline. They'll take two visits, maybe three, sometimes just one before they make a decision. So for Oklahoma to be on the books with a visit from Caden Willard this quickly, that is an awesome sign.
0: CD from Hockley says, hey, how about Tackett Curtis? I haven't heard much on the front of Tackett Curtis. I think, what did Brandon say last week that uh, that didn't seem very likely at all? Oh, you and Tackett Tackett Curtis being a thing? Yeah, it
1: really doesn't right now. And I don't know where Tackett Curtis ends up, but right now, I, I, I don't think for the moment that it is Oklahoma. Now, if Brian Odom were to land on staff, maybe things change. Maybe reevaluate at that point, but that fin- that kind but, of feels
0: like it's your only chance. As yeah, of right that now, realistically
1: that is the prerequisite. So until or unless Brian Odom is announced as a staff hire at the University of Oklahoma, don't count on Tacker Curtis being a sooner.
0: From the two four zero, believe I missed it, but did that Michigan State portal offensive lineman change his mind? Thanks for all the good work you guys have done this year and continue to do. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, Gino Vandermark sounds like uh, maybe Michigan State said, Hey, 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 let's come up with an offer that we're both happy with. And, hey, your girlfriend's still here in East Lansing. And that was good enough for him to come back.
1: Yeah. Again, girlfriends are undefeated. He got good money to stay at Michigan State. And you know, I would reported over the weekend. What's gonna happen with Gino Vandermark is pretty simple. He's either gonna transfer to Oklahoma or he's gonna stay at Michigan State. Ended up staying at Michigan State. It is what it is. You got Fabeshi Nawawu. That's probably the guy that offers a higher ceiling, more upside than Gino Vandermark. So to get Nawawoo, that's great. You're pleased with that if you're Oklahoma. And then, again, that goes back to the conversation we had last segment. You don't necessarily need to add another uh, offensive lineman right now. Not something you have to force.
0: Brian and Cameron, as much as Mizzou fans want to be the rival, much like Arkansas, their football program is not at a high enough level to be considered for that position. I, uh, yeah, some have uh, thought for some reason that OU Mizzou's this – Long historic rivalry. Uh, it is not. Maybe Mizzou fans tell people that. The Oklahoma side sure as hell doesn't. But Missouri's going to have to accomplish quite a bit in the next thirty years for that to ever be a legitimate rivalry. And uh, just just consider me as one that never thinks that OU and Missouri is considered a legitimate rivalry. It could be a Twitter rivalry, but will it ever be considered a like a an actual rivalry from this fan base? I don't. I, I don't see that day, man. I really don't.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think what to compare the OU Mizzou quote unquote rivalry to. Because like it's it's no more a rivalry than like Oklahoma and Kansas State, or Oklahoma and Baylor, or Oklahoma and Texas Tech, right? Just because these teams were conference foes for many, many years does not make this a rivalry series. And it's really not. It's not quite as lopsided as OU Oklahoma State, the Bedlam series. But it's pretty lopsided, (laughs) and you don't have the territorial battle that you do at stake in Bedlam the way that you do in Oklahoma, Missouri in that series.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the the greatest years in Missouri football history, I guess I immediately think of, like, 2007, right? They were the number one team in the country, and all they had to do was avenge their loss they had early in the year to Oklahoma in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, and Missouri's going to play for a national championship, but instead they get beat by Oklahoma for the second time. Two thousand eight, they're in the Big Twelve championship. They get just destroyed by OU in that one. So OU's been quite the uh, thorn in Mizzou's side. Not they've had they've had a ton of just great years, but OU's kept them from uh, you know playing for a national championship at least one time, which is uh, quite enjoyable. And like Cherokee Sooner, Missouri is very close to overtaking Texas on my crap list. I'm glad everyone had a great Christmas, and I hope everyone has a happy New Year. But I love that we took four days off the air. And even the holiday season, Parker, it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. Even that couldn't take away the hate everyone has for Missouri on the text line. Things that you love to see. For me, it's that. Keep the hate coming.
1: This might be your crowning achievement in the year 2023, Mm -hmm. Tyler. Because I'll give you credit. You're kind of the OG Mizzou hater. Thank you. And so... The fact that you have succeeded—well, I can't give you all the credit because the Williams-Winery deal, the Caden Green situation, those certainly helped. But the fact that the text line has coalesced with you in unity against Missouri is truly astonishing.
0: Better days ahead. Hey, maybe we can uh, sneak into Faro Field this off season and rearrange the M into a giant L in their uh, in their end zone. You know. I don't know, just just some ideas that I'd like to throw out for the upcoming year. Uh, Loco Ohio says, wait, Trace Ford's coming back? And I thought that, you, you just kind of threw that in pretty casually. That defensive yeah. end that Trace Ford's coming back.
1: Yeah, Trace Ford's coming back. He's got another year.
0: Yeah, but has he has he announced, though, that he is coming back?
1: I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't think he was planning on announcing it. Now, a lot of guys do make that. But, I mean, these days, unless you are a legitimate NFL draft candidate, I don't feel as though players need – like, Ollie Gordon announcing he was coming back to Oklahoma State. It's like, what are we doing at this point? He's a true sophomore. So either he was coming back to Oklahoma State or he was getting in the transfer portal. That's right. the only way he was leaving I Oklahoma did. State. So why we have announcements for literally everything these days. I don't think Trace yeah. Ford, to my knowledge, is planning on – announcing that he's coming back but he is eligible to come back it's not like he would be drafted if he entered the nfl draft and so the obvious choice the obvious solution for him is just to run it back at oklahoma for one more season and that's what he's going to do
0: 405-651-3439 knippelmeyer chevrolet text line we'll close up locked in coming up next right here on the ref
1: sound off any time of day on the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. Have you or someone you know suffered a loss to your home or business from the recent storms? Before you accept a settlement, call Brown O'Haver at 405- All their monthly specials. Happy Holidays from Joe's Wines and Spirits.
0: Chill, right on the Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing the sour of locked in. Dorsey Jones, they sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone, and their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. That's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Let off talking about how there's just not much going on in the 24 and 25 recruiting classes, though... OU's got the number three ranked class in 25, according to rivals, already nine commits. But um, one of just the the few notes that came out about the 25 class for OU, OU did make the top five for elite uh, defensive lineman, Ethan Utley. You're looking at Texas, OU, Tennessee, Michigan, and Syracuse, so I don't know if this is one of the main names that we'll be talking about on the defensive line for 25, but Ethan Utley, I'm uh, I'm sure will be on our radar as we uh, transition into the new year.
1: Yeah, he'll certainly be on the radar because top five, I mean, that would lead you to believe that would seem to be a pretty obvious uh, sign that Oklahoma is at the very least going to get an official visit from Ethan Utley, the defensive lineman out of Nashville, Tennessee. I, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about this recruitment yet. Not really one that I've been tracking in great detail as of yet. I'm trying to get through the Alamo Bowl, get through the All-American game and the All-American Bowl back here in San Antonio before I really start digging into the 2025 class. But anybody that has Oklahoma in a top five, especially this early in the process, going to be a name you're going to want to get familiar with.
0: Well, seeing as who uh, Syracuse hired as their defensive coordinator, I wonder how many... Random times, uh, OU, really for defensive linemen is where you're going to see that, right? Coming from A&M, wonder how many times we see, oh, OU's in a mix for uh, defensive linemen with Syracuse. Okay, here's here's just one example of that. That'll be interesting to watch moving forward. Uh, Rodney from Denton says, I want to announce that I renewed my preset to the ref for another year. Even though I did not receive an NIL deal, (laughs) I feel the culture is more important than the money.
1: That's what we're about, culture baby. Culture wins out again. Big win for culture. We love to see it.
0: 405 just says, Chris McClellan, question uh, mark? He's going to uh, Missouri is, is where he's going. It's where Chris McClellan's going. Sooner Jet says, being a mailman, I can tell you that Missouri is the little yapping dog that annoys the hell out of me, but acts like he's big enough to devour me with one bite. Give me a big dog every day of the week. I did hear uh, Arizona head coach Jed Fish say, and he's right about this. He uh he has labeled OU as a blue blood program more than one time. So at least Jed Fish knows what's uh what's up with OU. He seems like a pretty good dude, by the way, just listening to him in the press conference settings.
1: Yeah, I like Jed Fish a lot. I like Jed Fish a lot. Glad he didn't go to Texas A and M.
0: Yeah, he's uh he's a good coach. He he's really got it going there at Arizona. It was in a bad, bad spot when he took over. Seems like he and Brent like each other quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of uh, of Jed Fish. Sooner Stew says I was at the Big 12 Championship game in the Alamo Dome in 07. Jura McCoy ran down and sacked Chase Daniel. Daniel goes to the bench, picks his nose, and then eats it. What a memory! That's dude. Seriously, if you were to say to a random college football fan, hey. Give me the first memory that comes to your mind of Missouri football the past 20 years. I bet for a lot of people, it's Chase Daniel picking his boogers and eating it on the sideline. That's what kind of program they are. Most known for that, they're quarterback-eating t- boogers.
1: Like, what, what memorable football game has Missouri played in the last 20 years? I'm legitimately racking uh, my when brain. When they
0: played Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship and they got their ass kicked. That's the last one.
1: That's pretty much it. Like... There is no seminal moment in college football, for as long as I have been alive, that involves Missouri. I can think of one from before I was alive, and it was, I can't remember what they call the play, but uh, Scott Frost to Shevin Wiggins to Matt Davison. Yep, That was 1997, Nebraska over Missouri, if my memory serves me correctly. I think that's about as far back as you can go to find a notable football game that Missouri was involved in, and they still lost. Uh,
0: yeah, and what was the end results? The, the games that you can remember, someone might say, well, the SEC championship, well, they lost that one. All the Missouri games that you remember, the most prominent ones, the very few, they, they they lose them all. That's what happens there. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the home Sooner fans.